I am Sergio Brodsky, and I'm a brand and foresight strategist. And I'm Jazz Giuliani, the editor of Marketing Mag. Welcome to Futurecast, the podcast where we talk with professional futurists, renowned academics, and high-profile business leaders from around the world. In this series, we think about the future so that we can meaningfully change the present. The time is now. Join us for better futures. This episode of Futurecast is proudly sponsored by Adobe. To discover the skills marketers need today and in the future, visit marketo.com or click the link in our episode notes. Welcome back to Futurecast. Today on the podcast, we have with us Sherilyn Shackle, the global CEO of the Marketing Academy. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Sherilyn, you recently um, contributed actually to one of our our articles on marketing with Sergio and it was all about leadership and we're really excited to hear your thoughts about this because obviously, you know, you're the CEO at the Marketing Academy. You probably have so much to share. So I want to talk a little bit about you to get us started. So before you founded the Marketing Academy, you were actually a headhunter and since then, leadership has possibly been your key word for at least 10 years now. So why was it so important to create the Marketing Academy and to help address the leadership gap? And was there a defining moment where you knew this is what you wanted to do? Well, let me start with the defining moment first, because it's probably a bit easier uh, contextually. So I work, you're right, I was a headhunter for, well, the best part of 25 years, because I'm that old. <laughs> and I fell into that career, if I'm honest, when I was very young, when I was in, our, when I was in my 20s. It wasn't anything that I really actively pursued as a, a career path. It was just something that I found myself to be quite good at. And it's also highly lucrative. And for 20, 25 years, I had what, what would have been to anybody else a very successful career. But I was in an industry that I never really loved and in a, and, and in a job that I didn't really love either. I just got myself trapped in that kind of whole treadmill loop of having a bit of success at something you know enjoying the success enjoying the things that success brought working harder to maintain it working even harder to make sure I didn't lose it and you know within a blink of an eye I'd found myself doing something something for 20 years that didn't fill me with joy I got very ill in my early 40s so going back 12 years ago um, and, I, and I had an illness that nearly killed me. And the recovery from that enabled me to really pause and think about what I wanted to spend my life doing. And that kind of period of reflection really made me think about what, what was going on for me in those moments when I was experiencing total joy and fulfillment in my life. And those moments of joy and fulfillment were really all around developing other people. And I'd been on the board of a leadership development company for a while that had completely opened up my eyes to, you know, what leadership was really about and the kind of impact that you can have on people through fabulous leadership. So I knew that whatever I did, um, if I was going to change my my life would need to be around developing leadership capability and the attraction to marketing media and advertising as an industry and as a function had always been there even as a headhunter 
So my headhunting firm didn't specialise in, in CMO roles or roles in ad agencies. Um, but I would always advise the CEOs, my clients, that unless they put their CMO in the centre of the boardroom, they would never have the kind of success and growth that they could achieve if they didn't. So I was quite passionate that the industry was a force for growth, was a force for positivity and was a, a, a place for impact in the world on every citizen of the world, because that's what advertising me media marketing does. They have an impact on every citizen of the planet, you know, the decisions people take and the choices people make, etc. So I was very passionate about that, that sector. And therefore, I looked for a way to combine the two, a passion for leadership and leadership development and a passion for an industry that could really make a difference in the world. And I wanted to do something that was very philanthropic. So I didn't want to run a huge commercial enterprise. I wanted off that kind of rat race. I've always believed that really fabulous development, mentoring, coaching should be freely given. And therefore, I wanted to find a way that we could enable uh, a, a platform for people in the industry to pay forward all of their knowledge and experience and wisdom by nurturing and generating uh, and, and developing all of the emerging talent within this industry. And with the help of a huge number of people, and I'm talking hundreds of people, the concept and strategy for the Marketing Academy came about took us about two years to build it and launch it and um and we launched it uh, as you say 10 years ago wow and in this in this decade of leadership what were the main changes that you have experienced or noticed not only in marketing but also more broadly across other industries well it's been it's been quite a ride <laughs> really i mean we <laughs> so we launched the academy right at the start of the recession so, you know, we were building it through 2009 and that was a bad year everywhere in the, in the world. And the recession was still at its peak, really. The global recession was still at its peak at the beginning of 2010 when we when we launched it. And, you know, in any in any environment where there is any kind of, you know, real crisis, real pressure. Um, you know, my view is that marketing, media and advertising can come into its own and so does leadership. And there is no time when leadership is more required than than in, in a time when you're in any kind of crisis. So, you know, when we first launched, the whole world was in crisis, but through economic you know, reasons. Now we're in crisis through health reasons and we're going to come into another recession. Right. So, you know, we've had times over the past 10 years where the, where the world's been in more steady state, you know, that we've we began to recover from the recession that requires a slightly different leadership style than when you're in a crisis situation um and we've you know observed all of the changes in leadership and our industry over the last 10 years um going forward and i, I do believe that leadership has become slightly different in style over those 10 years uh, and even in the last 20 years and 30 years you know if i go back to my formative years, which were like the 80s and 90s, which is horrid when I think about it, <laughs> when leadership was very <laughs> um, control and command, you know, it was especially in the UK, and it was very hierarchical. Uh, and, you know, it was it was 
quite forceful and, and controlling, you know, uh, very management orientated, really. There was very little empathy and compassion in leadership. There was virtually no vulnerability or the, you know, desire to share, you know, human fragility. So less humanity, I guess, from a leadership context. And that's changed over the last 10 years. You know, that's that's been the real shift, you know, the shift from control and command to empowerment and inspiration, the shift from uh, feeling from being protective of yourself as a leader and concealing who you are as a leader through some flawed ideal of needing to be, you know, the, the, the be all and end all the answers to all of the questions. That's that's all changed over the last 10 years. So my belief is that there's far more humanity in leadership now. There could be more. I feel as the crisis is pay, playing out and as the looming potential recession is coming, I'm hopeful that there won't be a slide back into that older style of leadership, mm. which is very, you know, tell. I'm going to tell you what to do and how to do it. There is a time when that's required. I'm just hoping that that doesn't become the pre you know, the prevalent kind of style of leadership going forward. So I think we'll see changes again, you know, over the next few years. It's a, it's a dynamic thing, leadership, and nobody gets it right all of the time. Mm, yeah, well, and since we're talking in, ten, in terms of 10-year gaps, many, many actually consider this decade to be one of the most defining in history. There's actually this Melbourneian guy. His name is Toby Ord. He sits in the Oxford Institute for the Future of Humanity at the University of Oxford. And uh, he's a moral philosopher. And he's, he says that we are now living in the hinge of history, the most defining, the most important moment in history of, for, for humanity. And you know, if, we, if we're projecting leadership to the next 10 years and, and beyond, that, what is the type of leadership traits that will be required to overcome some of some of these existential risks that we now face, such as climate change, biological weapons, natural disasters, political instability, and so much more? I mean, you mentioned about humanity. Is this what, what needs to continue to evolve, or can we expect new traits to emerge? I don't know that anybody's got the absolute answer to what new traits could, should, and may emerge. Um, although I really want to talk to that guy, Sergio. So if you can make an introduction, I'd be really grateful. I mean, it sounds amazing. What, what an awesome we'll guy. We'll make it happen. Yeah, I want to spend an evening with him. Um, the, humanity is going to be at the heart of it all, as is um, empathy, compassion, real awareness of the role of the citizens of the world on the planet and its future. That's all going to be essential uh, and is essential right now and has been for a few years. It's just that people are, you know, there's a learning curve that leaders have to go through. And, you know, I think great leaders have been going through this over the last three years. You know, we need to bring back unity. Um, we need to bring back a sense of powerful belonging and we need to bring back a sense of empowerment. You know, that the citizens of the planet are empowered to make the changes that, that, that need to happen. Uh, and that hasn't happened in the past. You know, there's been so much governmental control and not particularly brilliantly, you know, and political power, not particularly well yielded and corporate power, not particularly well executed. And then there, sh there should and I feel has been a shift 
more to the, the power of the people in empa- empowering the people. The choices that we make as individuals, the decisions that we take as individuals, that's what's going to make shifts and change happen in the world. Shifting and changing our own beliefs and our own behaviours. And we need the leaders that are going to inspire that, role model that and enable us to be able to do that. And therefore, there's there's a lot of growth required in the leaders around the world, corporate, political, everywhere, uh, to ensure that the, the, the people understand their role in, in changing the world for the better going forward. You know, gone are the days where they have no power. You know, that's gone now. But we need leaders that are going to step up, be the beacons, be the shining light and ensure that we're guided through having to make those shifts and change changes in our own beliefs. And you've probably talked about this a little bit now, um, you know, this is going back a little bit. I'm curious about how you actually define leadership. You know, um, you, you spoke about role models and, and those people having personal growth, maybe being empowered in themselves. But, you know, just to take it back to basics, how do you define a good leader? The Marketing Academy defines a leader as anyone who is in a position to influence anyone else. That's our definition. Mm. Um, And that means that every single human on the planet has the capability to be a leader. Uh, Every single one of us have influence over somebody in our lives. You know, if we're sons, daughters, parents, sisters, brothers, we've got partners, friends, peers, colleagues, bosses, subordinates, whatever. Every single person on this planet has the ability to influence someone. And that can be as small as influencing someone to smile more or enabling somebody to, you know, make a fabulous decision for themselves. Creating an environment where your friend can talk out what he or she is thinking and feeling and you give them the space and the listening time to enable them to come up with some clear, clear thoughts about where they are, the ability to support someone when they're down, you know, the influence you have over somebody's day, over somebody's feelings and emotions. <laughs> so everybody on the planet can be a leader. That's our definition of it. What it isn't is it's not a job title. It's not a title that starts with chief or ends with director. It's not a position of power or authority. And in our view, it is nothing to do with people management. Management is a different thing there is a fabulous place for good management but that is not leadership you know leadership is about enabling empowering and inspiring somebody to be the best they can possibly be and we've all got the capability to do that so that's what leadership means to us what skills will marketers need to drive growth in the years ahead Download Marketing 2025 to discover how 700 executives imagine the future and the top skills and tools you'll need to master. From the role of machine learning to neuromarketing, learn what will satisfy customers' ever-evolving expectations. Download it now from a link in our episode notes. This may sound a bit cliche when when you compare, you know, leadership between courage and uh, 
the, the cerebral aptitudes that some leaders will have, you know, and then you have this this dichotomy, this tension between balls or brains, or perhaps both. But especially in this moment that we're living right now, we have many leaders that are very calculated, you know, taking take, taking many steps before they make a decision and having many advisors to do that. And you have leaders that are purely emo- emotional and uh, uh, making their decisions based on courage, based on uh, uh, on the heat of a moment for instance but considering the this specific moment that that we're living right now how 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 do you see the balance of that between courage and smarts and intelligence well look there are there are people who think and act very differently to each other that diversity is amazing it's it's powerful and it should be embraced and you know there's a place for lots of different styles of thinking thought decision making and action and everybody's got slightly different style so you know there are those ones that are slightly risk averse the ones that need all of the information to hand in order to make a decision there are others that will trust their gut and experience has taught them they can and therefore they need slightly less data and information at hand in order to make the the decision there's a place for both the uh, I believe that courage is an element of leadership, you know, regardless what style you have of any kind of decision or action that you might take. You know, there isn't a there isn't a, a leader out there in a position of wide influence that doesn't have to take risks, be brave, be courageous at some point. I can tell you the people who make those decisions in, in, instinctively and intuitively, they wouldn't tell you that they're being brave or courageous in that moment. That's just who they are. It's just how they roll. They wouldn't particularly think that was brave or or courageous. Somebody that's more risk averse would. Somebody that needs all the information and data in order to just decide, you know, what journey they're going to take in the morning. (laughs) You know, they would say it was risky or, or required courage. But I think it's an innate thing. Great leaders, actually, is the, you know, the ability to be comfortable with ambiguity, to be comfortable with the need to flex. To, to be aware, to be self-aware enough to know when they can slightly move out of their comfort zone, you know, to be aware that they may be the kind of person that needs all the data, but actually there's a crisis situation and right here, right now, you're going to have to make a decision on the basis of what you know rather than what you feel you need to know. The great lead, really great leaders can do all of those things. The leaders that are going to get through this whole crisis situation that we're in around the world now and probably for the next two years are going to be the ones that can flex that style. And I think it's the flexing of the of thinking style, flexing beliefs, flexing behaviors, that adaptability is possibly one of the most important things leadership leaders should be developing their muscles in right now. You know, because in a crisis situation, you can't get all of that information. You just can't. And the timing is tight and the shit's going to hit the fan if you don't make a move. That does require bravery and courage. But if you know, if you if you're aware enough of who you are, then you'll have more confidence to make that that those choices. And if you are open and transparent and you're not ego driven, which means you're not fearful of asking the stupid questions and you're not fearful of asking for help and input, then, you know, you're also going to de-risk that because you're going to bring people along 
board with you who may have some better answers to this issue than you do. So that desire to be open, authentic, transparent, drop the ego, and then find that little bit of courage and support to make those decisions, even if that's against your norm state, you know, those are the leaders that are going to be able to step up right now. And we can all do that. We've just got to be aware of it and practice that a bit and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, no, you, you have gave, given us many, many of the colors of leadership, but now let's paint a few pictures, if you, if, if you will. Uh, what are, who are the, the great examples, the bad ones, and some of those that keep trying but are always missing the mark in terms of leadership uh, in society, but also marketing and business in general, and particularly at this time right now? You don't mean name and shame, do you, Sergio? She wouldn't do that. I don't, I don't mean name and shame. Well, we can talk about Trump. And that, that's pretty obvious, especially since, you know, he lost his job and he's a dickhead. So that's that. Well, well he lost his job and the world celebrated. I think that's actually the world. <laughs> that, that would be my, I mean, that is the living nightmare, isn't it? The epitome of, of, of horrific yeah. uh, legacy for him anyway. And if we're talking about politicians, then, uh, I mean, Jacinda does, does it for me. I mean, that woman should be running oh, the entire world. She is, for me, from a political perspective, the epitome of what the world leader should be aiming for. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, mm. she is everything that we describe from a fantastic leadership perspective. You know, she role models, she walks the talk, uh, she's transparent, she's open, she's authentic, she's vulnerable, she's human, she's compassionate, she's empathy, she's got all of those things. And we, we need more of that because the politicians have fucked it up everywhere. Um, and they, for mm. me, for the last decade, they've been giving me more ammunition uh, about how to role model bad leadership than any other kind of leaders. And, you know, the corporate leadership world is doing better, far better. Um, I guess within mm. our industry, I think the agency CEOs, the media, the media CEOs and the agency CEOs, you know, they are going to need to change uh, some of them. You know, I, I'm not painting a picture that the leadership within those industries is the same because it really isn't. But, you know, there's, there's a style that, that's been run in media, in the media world and in the agency world that there's more control and command from a leadership perspective in those sectors than there is in, in kind of the client side sectors within our industry, if we're talking about our industry. And, you know, that's been embedded over time, over years, it's become fairly culturally normal, and that's gonna shift. We will see that shifting. Um, my, my biggest fear at the moment for the kind of corporate commercial world is that because of the, 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 the world we're living in right now, because of the transactional nature of this crisis right here, right now, there's going to be a huge shift back to management rather than leadership. We've seen it all year. Rules, regulations, you know, red tape, bureaucracy, politicians doing all of those things really badly, by the way. But even within the corporates, you know, they've had to shift the emphasis more to safety, security, health, you know, making sure that their people are safe. And to do that, they've needed to kind of shift back into it's all about rules and protocols and regulation, which is how good managers manage, right? They manage with, you know, spreadsheets and scorecards and budgets and timelines and, you know, all of the really practical transactional stuff that you have to have. But you see, management is about control and leadership is about freedom. 
And my biggest fear at the moment is that we're going to shift back. We're shifting into management because we need to, because, you know, we needed to change things very, very quickly to make to make everyone safe. So we needed to put all of the rules and regulations in really quickly. We needed to go really hard on it. And we have no time for democratic conversations. We had no time, you know, to sit down and find out how people were thinking about it. We just needed to say, this is what's going to happen. Office is going to shut. You're going to work from home. You're not allowed to leave your house, et cetera, et cetera. And for a while, we all went, oh, yeah, that's fabulous. Because we just wanted to be told what to do. Mm. Now, we're starting now. We're already starting to see the kind of burgeoning resentment around those things, right? So, <laughs> you know, we can be told what to do for a time, and then we start to lose a little bit of engagement. You know, then we start to lose a little bit of belief. Then we begun, we begin to get frustrated. And when frustration breeds contempt and resentment. And, you know, we start to see and feel that now. The leaders in the commercial world need to recognize that. And they need to flip that style back really soon. And they need to find the balance between empowering, enabling and, you know, inspiring freedom and still ensuring that there is some controls around what their people are doing so they've got to recognize that you can't keep your foot on the gas at you know 100 miles an hour every day all day day in day out for months and months and months and months because your culture will be will begin to bleed the shift has to go back more to thinking about people uh, as individuals who have brilliant ideas, who will take ownership and responsibility if they're allowed to, who will shift, who will change their own behaviours because it's right for them. We need to, I, I hope that we're going to see the leaders shifting back into that more because, you know, the ones that don't won't keep their people for long, you know, if we're going into the next year or, or, or two years. And you know, there's a there's a fear. I'm holding on to a little bit of fear that says, gosh, is this really going to dictate what the cultures of these businesses are going to shift into? Because if you, you know, if you run it in that way for too long, it's going to get stuck and it becomes the way of the way of doing things. And then your culture's shifted. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Sherilyn. It's something that I've been worried about a little bit as well, that that pragmatism, the need for all these rules just to get by during this time some people take advantage of that um, for an opportunity to exercise control and it's quite a dangerous way of, you know, working um, and it can shift the culture within an organisation greatly if that, that carries on. It will crush, it will totally crush those businesses. The leaders that have the ability to flex between styles of leadership are the ones that are going to get through this. You know, the ones that can say right now I'm going to impose a set of rules I don't like doing it but I'm doing it because we have to you know we've got to get through this crisis we have to make a decision and we have to act very quickly so we haven't got time for consultation around this we've just got to do it but you know once we're through the main bite of the crisis then we're all going to come back to the table and we're going to talk about it a bit more and we, you know we're going to find ways to find out how you think and feel about this and we're going to have time to enable you guys to come up with different solutions that we'll be able to listen to because we'll have the time to do that 
and we're sure that you as our employees are going to be able to make the right decisions and choices that will help us also get through this you know well that's a complete flip of leadership style from telling you know to consulting and getting buy-in and enabling and empowering and you know enabling people to take responsibility for themselves i honestly think that if the if the politicians had done that if the politicians had said we're gonna we're gonna impose these rules for this period and then we're gonna we're going to enable you to make some choices yourself and as soon as and so long as we mm. see you doing that and that's the key right so so long as we see you taking responsibility yourself for your own safety and the safety for others then we can start relaxing some rules so but they didn't do that you know they're still doing it now and it's confusing as hell and everybody's going oh will you just sod off you know you think i can't keep myself and my family safe i've had enough now i know what to do you taught me i have to wear a mask okay i get it you don't need to tell me i have to do that anymore do you, do you see what i mean it's this mm. it's a shift yeah and the best leaders are going to be able to make that shift through style without everybody going oh my god is that person just had a personality transplant because if they think that if it's not authentic if they if they think it's not authentically done they won't trust it you know if somebody's always been in control and command mode and then suddenly moves into consulting mode everybody's going to think what's this game then you know what's what agenda's going on now i don't trust them they've never listened to me in the past how am i sure they're going to listen to me now you know, something's going to come back and bite us on this. Mm -hmm. They just won't trust it. So it's authentically done. But leaders can learn that. You know, even leaders who have been the most brutal, autocratic control and command can learn to shift that. And in some cases, they may even be unaware of the impact their style has on others. And somebody that's very control and command and autocratic, dictatorial, has possibly created a, a fear culture, a fear environment, where nobody's ever told him or her that that they show up like that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'd always give people the benefit of the doubt and think, well, that guy's a dick, but he probably doesn't know. I bet nobody's ever told him, <laughs> you know, that that thing he's just said is the most dickish thing he could ever say. I bet nobody's had the courage to tell him that because he's created an environment of fear. So... You know, mm. I do believe that even, you know, the, those leaders that are the most misguided, let's say, can, uh, can become aware enough to make a change if they choose to. There are some leaders out there that are control and command and they only ever want to be and that's all they're ever going to be. And, and they have a place too. So they have a place in any company that requires a really, really fast turnaround. You know, to move the ship really, really quickly when time is tight and the shit's hitting the fan and the competitors are crawling all over them and they're losing market share and, they're, you know, they've got all sorts of shit happening to them. That's the time that you bring in a CEO's control and command and they can put their foot on the gas and they can leave blood on the carpet and two years later they'll be gone. And you can see those. You'll recognize those CEOs and CMOs. It's everywhere. You'll recognize them. They're the ones that have two year gigs. And they'll shift, they'll move the ship and they'll love every minute of it. They'll enjoy every minute of it. The shareholders will love them. The people won't like them that much, but it doesn't matter because they're not going to stay there and they're going to go and move on to their next gig. The most brilliant leaders are the ones that can push really hard and then understand how to then pull. 
the rest of the ship. So they can stand at the front of the ship when they need to, and then they can move back to the back of the ship equally comfortably when they need to. Those are the best leaders. Beautycast is the Marketing Mag podcast series brought to you by Content Brains and presented by Marketing Mag. Beautycast is produced by Joanne Davies, Head of Content Brains and Publisher of Marketing Mag, and Jazz Giuliani, Editor of Content Brains and Marketing Mag. Our executive producer is Sergio Brodsky with original music and audio production by Sam Boone. If you want further details on our podcast or our guests, please visit the episode notes in this podcast. Remember to subscribe to Futurecast so you never miss an episode.